Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I am Nick Gieber, along with my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Um, you know, Kartik, the, the damn thing is these bloody international breaks. We're, we're just into the yeah. Premier League season. We're four matches in, um, and, and it's great. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, you know, four matches in, and we are looking at Leicester City in the top four of the table. Uh, four matches in. Uh, you know, we are looking at Crystal Palace in fourth spot. Um, it's almost like you just can't wait to see what happens next. Like if you're reading, I don't know, does anybody any read and read books anymore? Um, you know, um, I do. I, I do, but it's like when you're reading a, a really awesome book, you know, and you can't wait to get to the next chapter. It's like, that's what the Premier League's like. I'll tell you what, let's put it this way. It's like when you're binging Netflix, all right, and you're three or four episodes into your favorite show, and then all of a sudden, it don't work. You have to wait a week. I mean, what's up with that, Kartik? How dare they? Two weeks. Two weeks. You have, you, have to wait two, you have to wait two weeks, and it's it's even worse than some of the other leagues because the Premier League at least started early in August. So did Liga A. But uh, I think there have been two, two match days in Serie A. There have been three in the Bundesliga two or three in, in La Liga. I mean, it's just like you don't get any flow in the season. So when, when after we come back from the international break, each of those leagues I mentioned, the top five leagues in Europe, they're all going to have four match days. And then another international break for two weeks. And then four more match days. And then another international break for two weeks. The flow in the seasons doesn't really start until mid-November. Um, and, and keep in mind, you know, you have Champions League, uh, that that's kind of stop start too in the middle of these international breaks as well. So uh, it's difficult. I mean, it's just not. I'm not that interested in these internationals. I have to nah. be honest. Bro. Nah, it's, it's a total snooze fest. I, I'm I'm much more interested to see what's going to happen. Uh, you know, at Old Trafford when uh, Leicester City travel to Man United, or or at. Uh, uh, you know, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium when they host Crystal Palace. I mean, these are the matches that we're waiting for. Look, we have to go to break. When we come back, we'll pick it up on the other side. More crying about the international break. And Kartik, let's figure out the best football people with Bond villain names. All right, all that and more when we come <laughs> back. For Street Soccer. All right, welcome back to the show, Fist Street Soccer. Nick Kartik with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211. Uh, by the way, big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on, these, uh, on the American Forces Network. What a pleasure it is to speak with you, as we do every weeknight uh, from 9 p.m. Eastern. Also, if you're listening on iHeart Radio, tune in the award-winning Sirius XM app. Or if you're Kerry listening in Las Vegas, we welcome you to the show. Uh, 800-878-7529, kind of one of those odd shows today because uh, I can't stand the international breaks. Look, I know it's Euro qualifying, uh, and England have two qualifying matches, and that's interesting. The U.S. are playing some money-spinning friendlies. The U.S. women played a couple of, what, Portugal and 1-3-0, and 
my interest level didn't move above you know one percent on any of this um i just hate these international breaks i understand them but i hate them look you know kartik you know what i think will be better let's just say for euro qualifying right instead of having spreading euro qualifying out why not just have one the summer before a big euro qualifying tournament um yeah but then you that that interferes with the league seasons also because the leagues uh you you don't get a full preseason then for for players who are playing internationally uh and it'll mess up the calendar in the sense that i guess the european all the all the uh leagues would have to start in september i guess that no no i mean um, but no no how long would it take but then they play straight through but i mean how long would it take well, I mean, how, how long does the have, World Cup take? Well, no, no, no. You have ten. You have eight or ten qualifiers. So you'd have to. You'd have to be. You'd have to find the time to play eight or ten matches consecutively, uh, because the qualifying started in March, and it goes through. Right. Um, so, so hold on. So, and then you had two, two, two qualifiers in June, um, and then uh, uh, September two, October two, November two. That's the problem. The Euros are what? To, the Euros are every every two years, right? Every four years. Every four years. Excuse me, every four years. And they're on the off years between the World Cup. So right. I'm just trying to work this out. Well, maybe you just take, yeah, just take one summer, change how you qualify, take a couple of these FIFA dates and, and get rid of some of the, 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 the flotsam and jetsam, you know, the, the, the Maltas of the world. No disrespect to the Maltese. Or, or Maltesers, by the way, because those are some of my favorite uh, sweets. I love Maltesers. I don't know if they come from Malta or not, but in the off chance they do, I want to personally thank the Maltese people for creating such a delicious sweet. Um, but I think here in the U.S. they're called Whoppers. And I don't know how I got off on this tangent, Kartik, but I did. Uh, but nevertheless, maybe you have that tournament, you get rid of Malta, you get rid of Gibraltar, you get rid of, you know... Uh, uh, who else is uh, in the ridiculously small nations but, with five people? And then you have a nice round robin for a couple of weeks during the summer. You get rid of the you get rid of the upset teams, and then you're set. And we don't have to in, we don't have to interrupt the Premier League every five minutes. But the problem is those countries cannot, and this UEFA has made this case consistently, um, that those those countries cannot maintain any sort of football infrastructure if they do not have the opportunity to bring in Germany or France or Italy or whoever is in their qualifying group, uh, a big draw type type countries. Now maybe there's a way that they can be given a cut of the revenue, even if they're not in. It's all about money, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, it's all about money. Uh, But the other question is, would you do this for World Cup qualifying? Would you eliminate the World Cup qualifying structure, which is different in each confederation, and and put them over the summer? I'd love to. Love to. How exciting would that be? You have the qualifying tournament the year before, and then the next year you have the actual tournament. And and that would require um, the Cup of African Nations – the Gold Cup and the... Um... Well, first of all, d- don't even mention the Gold Cup in any sort of name. I mean, that is a JV tournament of, of the... Well, it, it is, but unfortunately, it comes back to money. The reason it's, it's held the way it is, Nick, is so that... And the reason it's always in the U.S. is so that Antigua can get their cut, Barbados can get their cut, Curacao can get their cut, right? And that that's unfortunately uh, the reality of the Hold on, of hold on, hold on, hold on a second. First of all, let's play word association for a minute, Kartik. When I say Barbados, sure. what's the first thing that comes to your mind? That comes to that comes to my mind with no, no, Barbados. Let, no, no, relax, relax, Kartik, relax. Lie down, okay. breathe, breathe in. 
<laughs> Come breathe in. Mm, now breathe out. Oh, now you're relaxed, Kartik. I'm going to say a word, and I want you to say the very first thing that comes into your head. Are you ready? Yeah. Barbados. Resort. Curacao. They're Dutch, and they have oil. Oil, I'll say. The Dominican Republic. Baseball. <laughs> okay. Very good, Kartik. Very Jamaica. Jamaica? Oh, that's a lot of a lot, a lot from Jamaica, First but I word. would say reggae. Reggae. Mexico. I don't know. Mexico is football. El Chapo. Let's be honest. We want to say that, but you didn't. know. look. The point I'm making here is not a single time did you say football, Kartik. You say Brazil, other than, you know, bikini women and waxing. I mean, the first thing that's going to come to your head is, well, football, right? It generally does with Mexico, too, but that was, I think, a bad. You should have just kept going with the island nation. Well, yeah, but the island nation. Okay, yeah, Mexico is a bit unfair. United States, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And don't say Donald Trump. What's that? Guns is the first thing. Guns, that comes to my mind <laughs> but not football. That's exactly the point, right? So I, I could care less about this stupid tournament. It's it, it's a, for tossers. It's a wank fest. It's a boring, boring tournament. Concacaf for a boring, 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 boring confederation. Uh, you know, listen. You say Brazil. I think you know beautiful women and waxing. That's number one and two. Number three, football. Number four, coffee. Uh, you know, that's it, right? And. Help me after that with Brazil. I sort of, you know, lose my train of thought. Probably at waxing, I lost my train of thought. But but that's okay. Uh, anyway, look, crime. That's another thing I think of with Brazil. Crime, crime. Kartik, you know, first of all, any discussion we have about qualifying, you just forget Concacaf. It's the world's second worst confederation. Okay, correct. O- only Oceania is worse, or maybe the Asian Federation. So maybe, no, 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 no. The Asian Federation isn't as bad as Concacaf. So okay, so Concacaf people like to say it is, but it's not. I think Japan, Korea, Australia. You have countries that have developed their football infrastructure in a competitive landscape, whereas in Concacaf you have Mexico and you have a bunch of other countries. Really, I mean, right? What the United That's States true. is the biggest ca- cash cash cow whore country. Yeah, I hate to use that term, but that's all it is. I mean, right? It's just like American crony capitalism in general, the way football is run in this country. So, um, so I guess that's appropriate. I mean, I said guns for the United States. Maybe it's crony capitalism, which describes right. oh, me to soccer and the U.S. Soccer Federation and Soccer United Marketing. You know what? I'd love to see. I'd love to see like a stadium. This of me would be great in the off season. A stadium, like go to one of the beautiful still like LAFC's new stadium, right? Yeah, that's nice. I'd one. like to see Don Garber in the middle of the stadium, and then they open the gates and three or four lions come in, and it's like a gladiatorial show where Don Garber puts on the animal show right at the end. What do you think? Uh, Carlos I, Cordero. I, I Maybe Ford Garber and Cordero. I, in, in, I wouldn't be Ford unless the animals won. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> who, who be... do you think is going to win? Don Garber. Who, do you think Don Garber could outrun a hungry lion? No. I don't think so. I mean, Although but... these guys get away with so much, right? There, 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 are, there are laws that govern this sport that 207 FIFA members, and there are more members of FIFA than of the United Nations, abide by, or 206 members of FIFA, excuse me, because there are 207 members. And then there's one 
the United States that's exempt from everything. That's right. That's why they need to be because it all lions. comes back to money. It yeah. So how about so a gladiatorial some fight? Though? Lions and some you know merit, make this a meritocracy rather than. Um, how about Ibra Ibrahimovic with the trident, Don Garber with the short sword, gladiatorial fight to the death at the brand new LAFC stadium? Now that I would pay. He drinks for. tiger blood. Keep in mind. Uh, uh, I Ibra, know. So he'd probably win this thing. That'll be fascinating to see. Now that will be worthy of getting some real rights free rights fees from some of the major networks. All right, we're going to go to break for Street Soccer. Nagiba Kata Krishnaya, we're just having an old chin wag. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the show for Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you. Uh, we were just, uh, before the break, waxing poetic about who we'd like to see in the gladiatorial arena fighting to the death. Now, we, we came up with uh, Ibrahimovic and Don Garber in a death fight. Uh, Don Garber with the trident. Oh, no, Ibrahimovic had the trident, right? And Don yeah. Garber had the short sword and the shield. Ibrahimovic had the trident and the net. Uh, but I know Don Garber's pretty, pretty squirrely, I think, you know, Kartik. I think he might be able to, you know, to just shift his way because he's so shifty, you know, out of being caught yeah. in that net and, and, and deliver the backstabbing blow with the short sword. Yeah, his duplicity is, is legendary and his ability to adapt and, 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 and slither away like a snake. Exactly. Uh, I bet Boris Johnson wishes he had some of Don Garber in him right now. So you think? Well, well, how about Boris Johnson and Don Garber in the in the gladiatorial <laughs> arena? How about Boris Johnson and John Burkow after today <laughs> in the comments? Of comments. No, right. It was great yesterday. I'm watching the debate yesterday, and Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is a complete knob uh, and, and has been for years, is giving his presentation about for the on behalf of the government, right? Uh, and I could just see John Burkow's face he just chewing them out. He had nothing but contempt for him. Yeah, we could have Boris Johnson and uh, and uh, Don Garber. That would be good. Or do you do, would we want to throw Cordero uh, in there too? Throw who? Throw who in there? Carlos Cordero. We could have a, a oh, a absolutely. Uh, Americans versus Brits. Oh, we could. And, and they could use the paranoia that they always do in U.S. soccer. The British are coming. The British are yeah, coming. Yeah, right. We could but relive a civil war coming, battle. The are coming. They right. have such fear. I mean, of a revolutionary war battle in the arena. Yeah, Fabulous. that's the way they act like. Great it. job. I mean, they're the most uh, anglophobic people Listen, on the planet. Why? Why don't Soccer United Marketing hire you and I, Kartik? Because I think just together we have possibly some of the best ideas uh, ever personally and then um what's her name uh what's the name of the the uh the women's player that was uh gonna play in the nfl what's her name um carly lloyd carly lloyd thank you then maybe carly lloyd could kick the severed head of the loser uh through the uprights at the stadium to end off the tournament i love carly lloyd her um should read her autobiography it's one of the few uh american players male or female who has been honest about u.s soccer and the culture uh in, in within U.S. soccer, she doesn't take no nonsense from anyone. Unlike uh, 95 percent of these men, male players in the U.S. are are neutered because they want to fit into the culture of conformity around uh, U.S. soccer. And Nick, you'd never get hired by Soccer United Marketing because they have a thing about Brits, right? They have this yeah. this anglophobia, which reminds me of Vichy France. 
I mean, quite frankly, I mean, they could have been in, in Marshall Patan's government, you know, these uh, these MLS people, because there's just and it's and it spreads among American soccer journalists, too. There's an Anglophobia, a uh, a jealousy of Britain, an envy of Britain. You know, anyone with British accents, they're suspicious of. It's very, very strange. Well, quite, quite rightly so, because we're very untrustworthy. <laughs> well, maybe they were watching Boris Johnson, and that, they, based on their right. judgments on him. Well, listen, I, I think if we're going to do the gladiatorial thing, we've got to talk about uh, you know our favorite James Bond. You know, we were talking a little bit uh, yesterday about James yeah. Bond names, and and you and I both came to the conclusion that that, that the name Andre Villash Boash just would make he would make such a great Bond villain. But actually, I'm thinking he might not make a great Bond villain. Andre Villas Boas would be like the Portuguese intelligence counterpart of 007. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. they had Felix Leitner. <laughs> remember Felix him? Leiter. He was a yeah. He was a CIA guy, but maybe oh, money, penny. I've got to go see Andre Villas Boas. Make an appointment. You know, that, if you really want to talk about uh, great names uh, for Bond villains that are currently managing in the Premier League, I've got probably probably the ultimate one, the evil villain. Daniel Farke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. There's no more evil of a name than that. Or maybe Ralph Hashenhutl. But Hashenhutl. That's, yeah, but that sounds more like a, you know, I was never a Nazi. Won't, I was never a Nazi. Oh, sorry. Oh, Hashenhutl. But, but, of course, he isn't, by the way. But, uh, yes, yeah, so that's a sort of name for that. But he is Austrian. Which he is Austrian. Yeah, Austria. We are not Germany. <laughs> uh, Nuno Santo. That's also Nuno Espirito Santo. Uh, that sounds like the guy that discovered America, doesn't it? I mean, didn't Nuno <laughs> Espirito Santo get into the little ship, the mighty Wolverhampton Wanderer, sailed from Wolverhampton, and discovered the New World? Isn't that Nuno Andre Espirito Villas Santo? Andre would be a great intelligence officer because one of the things he complained about after his sackings his couple sackings at Chelsea and Spurs were that uh, you know all these other foreign managers could come to England and fake that they didn't know good English and act like things were lost in translation or you know defy the media because um, they didn't know good English well in fact Andre uh, AVB spoke such good English that he couldn't fake it. He couldn't yeah. fake not knowing things, right? He couldn't fake not understanding the players. And he thought – I saw an interview with – I read an interview with him. Uh, it might have been The Guardian after uh, – a year or two after he'd been sacked at Spurs, basically saying, I, I had this – knowing English should have been an advantage. It was a terrible disadvantage for me, knowing good English. So that wouldn't make him a good intelligence officer, though, because he could communicate with Bob. Oh, absolutely. Right? right. Yeah. But As I they had a Portuguese. So, yeah. So if, if we're looking the Portuguese at like. Portuguese British alliance being the oldest alliance in the world. So if we're looking at the current uh, list of uh, Premier League managers, of course, which Andre Bilish-Bosch isn't, we, we ascertain that he was currently the manager at Marseille. Uh, so that would invalidate him. Um, on the side of good or evil, Unai Emery. Now that, I'm sorry, that is the, Unai Emery has to be the henchman. The right-hand man to evil villain, villain Daniel Farka. 
But speaking of movies of uh, 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, ilk, well, I mentioned uh, Day of the Jackal yesterday. Another movie oh, that took place in France was The French Connection Oh, 2. what a great film with Gene, well, with Gene Hackman. Great film, yeah. Yeah, and it took place in Marseille. So, That's right. Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah, Andre Village original Polish. took place in New York. So AVB could have played a role in that. Okay, so speaking of 70s and 80s, uh, you know, I, I think that the one current Premier League manager that would fit in, say, a 1970s Bond film just perfectly look-wise, I'm talking something like, for example, Moonraker, right? Was that 80 yeah. or 79? It was right around there. 79 or, was Moonraker. Okay. Uh, has to be Manuel Pellegrini. Uh, he's got the 70s haircut. He's got the look. I mean, you could almost look at him. You could almost see him looking at the camera saying something like, oh... Octopussy, octopussy. <laughs> I can still see him in Moonraker, actually, and and in Octopussy. And, yeah, and, uh, was your eyes only that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but <laughs> Pellegrini definitely belongs in that one. There's there's no doubt about that one. And and again, Nuno Espirito Santo. I, I I don't know what to say about him. I mean, I can't fit him in. The only thing I could fit him into would be like, uh, you know, a, a sort of classic. Uh, discover the New World movie. You know, as I said, Nuno Espirito Santo sailed on the mighty wanderer from Wolverhampton to discover the New World. He's got the look and the name. Yeah, that's true. He does. He absolutely has that that kind of sophisticated Portuguese upper, you know, explorer class, like Vasco da Gama. Yeah, well, why not? Amerigo Vespucci. Although he's not Portuguese. That was uh, Amerigo Vespucci was what? Italian, right? He was Italian, yeah. Yeah. He was oh, Genoan, well, I think. I think oh, he was Genoan. What do I know? Get me off the Roman era, and I'm, I'm basically know nothing. All right, well, Kartik, we're really not talking much football, but I guess we are, because you know what's what happens when you have an international break? You have to make your football fun somewhere other than the league you love, because the league you love is having a snooze, while the team, your national team's playing somebody absolutely useless. All right, Kartik, shall we look at some of the massive matchups on the international stage? Uh, say, yes, we uh, the, should that we're looking at this weekend, because uh, for me, there's not a single match. Oh, no, there is. Uh, Germany-Netherlands is the only interesting match this weekend. Yeah, and, and it's a match that uh, is going to be especially interesting because Germany will be without Leroy Sané. When they beat the Netherlands in the previous qualifier, it was Sané-driven. Um, so I think that they're in a position where it's going to be difficult for them because they don't have the depth that they used to have. Rudiger's hurt too, so this is going to be a fascinating match. It is. Uh, it's about the only match. I mean, okay, so, so, so let me put it to you this way, and, and, and let's be completely upfront about this, shall we? Um, it's that one, or it's you know Germany against Netherlands, or I'm equally as excited about, say, Bosnia-Herzegovina against Liechtenstein. I mean, that one really has <laughs> my pulse quickening. Or one. perhaps even um, Finland-Greece. I mean, really, that's oh, yeah, a big one, be right? Great. Uh, how about Finland, the Faroe Islands? Finland is always good. How about that football powerhouse of the Faroe Islands uh, against Sweden? Uh... I, I, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, but Far but Far the Faroe Islands, I think, have won a couple qualifiers. Not maybe not in this qualifying cycle, but believe it or not, their their world ranking isn't as low as almost other countries you would associate. Isn't that? that with. I mean, but isn't that when the Faroes were kicked Hungary out of Egypt once too, which was stunning? But isn't that when the Faroes, Kartik, were kicked out of Egypt? They went to the Faroe Islands. 
they went to the Faroe Islands. <laughs> now, you know, Faroe Islands are also uh, a Danish protectorate, right? Much like, uh, uh, are they or not? So they, they have Norwegian? nice breakfasts. So what else do they have? No, no, no. But I was saying that maybe Trump would want to buy them the way he wanted to well, buy them. Well, apparently Trump thinks they, uh, they serve Danish for breakfast because he heard they were a Danish <laughs> protectorate. And that's why he wants to buy yeah. them along with hamburgers and kafifi. Yes. I mean, when, see, this is exactly why Boris Johnson doesn't want to be in the European I, Union because he doesn't want British culture uh, infiltrated with these really very foreign ideas, well, like having Danish for breakfast uh, or, or croissants. Or, 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 I mean, croissant, having or croissants, a, even though Boris Johnson, like, Boris Johnson is part French and part Turkish. All Let's right, we've got to go to that. break. Or oh, how about a something just oh horror of horrors? I was born in a New York. Continental breakfast. All right, we'll be back <laughs> after this. Mystery soccer, Nick and Kartik. All right, welcome back to the show. And that's my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya's theme song, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, the creed by which he lives his life. And Kartik, it is great to have you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. Uh, it's an international break, and, you know, it, it is just one of these things. The U.S. apparently is playing in the terrifically exciting CONCACAF Nations League. And, and if I just might add, Kartik, the word terrifically exciting and CONCACAF just don't go together, okay? They just they just don't work, like um, extra virgin olive oil and a cup of coffee. I mean, it, it, these things don't mix. You can't put these, right. these two things together because there's nothing remotely exciting about CONCACAF, the world's most boring football confederation. Uh, so the U.S. is playing in the Nations League where they're going to play a nation that, quite frankly, is still lucky to be here and hasn't been blown somewhere into the ocean after this hurricane because that's who make up a lot of CONCACAF are these island nations that have been terribly badly battered by Hurricane, uh, what was its name, Dorian? And Well, uh, this one was Dorian, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just wondering, but, Kartik, I mean, how much of the football infrastructure in these countries is going to exist when this is done? And do you think CONCACAF will take its hand off its pocket and shovel any money at these, at these uh, footballing infrastructures to help them rebuild? Hmm, I'm guessing no. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing no also. In fact, I... I uh, probably going to be reaching out to the Bahamian FA in the next day or two, and we can get an assessment of that. They actually have a match um, on September 9th, uh, next Monday. Uh, I don't know in Nassau. I don't know if that'll be postponed or not. Nassau got some of the outer bands. They got some hurricane force winds, but of course Freeport, which is the second largest city in the Bahamas, has been destroyed essentially. And you have other places that have been affected by storms that have been forced to play matches. I mean, I remember when. Um, I was working with the NASL, and, and Puerto Rico had a qualifier. Obviously, we had we all the league always had ties to Puerto Rico uh, throughout its history, and Puerto Didn't, Rico had wasn't a qualifier Anthony? with a tropical storm coming that they forced them to play. I remember it's ridiculous. that ridiculous. But wasn't uh, yeah. Carmelo Anthony own the Puerto Rico team? Yeah, he did. Yeah. This this the second incarnation. The first incarnation was owned by a. Uh, uh, local um, politician who was affiliated yeah. with you know, our I, Democratic Party, the pro-statehood party there. And I remember uh, that, Kartik. Gilmard. Because yeah. I, I was at the NASL final about three, four years ago uh, when it was uh, well, the team from Canada against the Cosmos, wasn't it? It was uh, Ottawa. Yeah, it was Ottawa, Ottawa against the Cosmos. And I was, in the, uh, I was a guest of the NASL in the NASL 
suite at uh, Hofstra Stadium for the final. And I'd been on this sort of dog and pony show for the last week. You know this story. You're starting to smile. Uh, Dog and pony show (laughs) for the last uh, couple of weeks before that with Bob Caldwell, by the way, who was a regular guest on this show, you know, our our, uh, resident uh, football lawyer. And anyway, I got really violently ill uh, while I was in the suite. And when I say violently ill, uh, if you saw The Exorcist, you might get an idea about the level of projectile vomiting that came over me. And there I was trying to look really cool in the suite. And of course, I'm sitting in the owner's suite uh, with, on the left-hand side of me is, uh, no, right, right in the row right in front of me is Carmelo Anthony and his family. Uh, to directly to the right of me is the always smug Sunil Gulati, and to the left of me were a bunch of the other team owners. And basically, after sh- schmoozing and whining and dining, and you know, being the cool guy in the suite because you know I am, I uh, suddenly got—I mean, literally within the space of about five seconds—unbelievably ill. Performed my best Linda Blair projectile vomiting move, threw up all over Carmelo Anthony, his family, and uh, of course Sunil Gulati, and then passed out on the floor and had to be wheeled out by the paramedics. So that was my, you know, great moment. Uh, throwing may have up been on because Carmelo Sunil Gulati was in the. Uh, yeah. May have been because Sunil Gulati was in the vicinity, and I'm surprised to hear was at an NASL final. The irony on all this whole conversation, Nick, when we talk it's about it's not Bond, that I gave. It's not that I gave Carmelo Anthony. A good hairdressing, a, a good shampoo of vomit? No, it's. I don't know if you remember this, but you called me to tell me what had happened at the final. And I was sitting outside a movie theater. I was about to go in and watch Spectre. And I finally told you the Bond movie just got re- It had just been released. And right. it was the next weekend. and Or the next, yeah. And I uh, <laughs> got tickets. I'm going into the theater. So it's funny how all of this goes back to James Bond. Holy well, it's stuff. funny how I am the man that gave Carmelo Anthony a vomit shampoo. I mean, you know, there's not too many people that... Uh, uh, why Why did you give it to Sunil instead? Well, he was to my left. Carmelo was right yeah. to my front. And I did kind of move ah. my head and spew that sort of arc. But, um, and that's really all I remember. And then, of course, being really cool after having thrown up on all the bigwigs, I was then wheeled out on a gurney with my shirt opened by the paramedics who attached all these things my belly was hanging out. My arms were at the side. And they took me to Long Island Hospital where I was uh, kept overnight for observation. So um, that, you know, I can be very cool and hip, Kartik, And that was it. By the way, I've got a question for you. Yeah. When Kartik is a monkey chant, not a monkey chant. When, it, when it's in Serie and a supporters group that is associated with the fascist right says that it is not a monkey chant and we don't have racism problems here like they do in Northern Europe. That was the best part about it all when they said that. Uh, By the way, for those who don't know, Inter supporters are kind of like brown shirts. They're like Mussolini's brown shirts, as are Lazio supporters. Um, that well, was the best part the because they're is- trying to say that there, there's, there's all this racism in Northern Europe. I mean, I, I, that the, there, there's racism everywhere, right? But if you go to a match in Germany um, or you go to a match in Scandinavia, it's a lot less hostile to minorities personally, than it is personally. in Italy or Spain. Yeah, but, you know, personally for me, Kartik, I mean, you know, if I'm a, uh, a player of African descent and I'm playing and the whole crowd starts to make monkey chants at me, the first thing I'm going to think of is that this is an incredible sign of respect. I mean, isn't that what you're going to think <laughs> of, first of all? 
I mean, because that's apparently what the Inter fans who are coming to the the rescue, so to speak, of the Cagliari fans who were the ones responsible for this abomination, I might add. Uh, I mean, you're right. It's totally ludicrous. And you know what? I want to see UEFA do something about this. Romelu Lukaku or any other player whose skin color might not match what you might think it might be what you your yours, okay? Um, should never, ever, ever, ever be susceptible, have to be subjected to any of this. Can't we all treat everybody else like human beings? Can't we treat people the way we want to be treated? I mean, I don't want to start preaching or my own church, although I do understand it could be tax deductible. I could marry my cousin. I could get a jet. Uh, wait a minute. Maybe I do want to start a church. Uh, Kartik, let's you and I start the Church of the Almighty Football, but let's talk about that on a separate day. Uh, but what's wrong with the UEFA? Why aren't they stopping this? Because they have no interest in, in uh, they like these pressure points. They like this controversy. And I, I think we've, we're also in, in, in an era now where uh, UEFA is so once again driven by financial considerations. It's like the no political speech policy in MLS if we want to go back to Mr. Garber for a minute, not even knowing who their fan base is, not realizing the, the majority of soccer fans. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll throw this out there. I mean, I spent uh, well over a decade in, in Democratic Party politics. I think a lot of people listening know that. Uh, and I have met far more progressive liberal people who know more about the world and know more about about governing and, and leftist ideas in the in the world of U.S. Soccer, American soccer than I did in politics. Even being active as a Democrat, that's because that is generally the fan base in Major League Soccer and in U.S. Soccer in general. Don Garber and Major League Soccer didn't realize who their fan base were when they started to, to, to ban political speech in stadiums, not realizing that all of these supporter groups were part of anti-fascist campaigns and had organized uh, uh, on, on the grassroots level and had organized social justice campaigns. And you know, now it's just boomeranged in their face. I'm just sick and tired of in Seattle and, uh, this past weekend when they decided to show on Fox a footage of Sounders supporters from yesteryear because they didn't want to show the crowd. Can't think, aren't because you sick and tired of Major League Soccer? Aren't you sick and tired of Major League Soccer telling you what you can say, what you can't right. say, how to say? There is a fine line, and the line isn't fine. I'm sorry. Uh, anything homophobic or racist? Yeah, you can't say that, but you you shouldn't be able to say that anyway. Okay. Um, but you know, you want to make a political point. You, you know, MLS has always been about telling you how to watch the games, how to ingest, yeah. how to enjoy their football that they're giving you. Whether it goes back to the World Cup when South Africa, remember how they suddenly uh, they inundated all the stadiums with those bloody awful vuvuzelas, and every match sounded like this. <laughs> sounded like sort of mating call of the blue whale or. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe it was uh, what's the big what's the big uh, big guy's name? Conquercaf uh, who who uh, uh, Chuck Blazer. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Blazer. <laughs> maybe it was Chuck Blazer in the restroom having his upset stomach over you know the amount of uh, hot dogs he ate at the stadium. This but, is I mean, while just... the FBI had tapped his phones, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Exactly. Right? Precisely. I mean, you know, so I mean, they inundate the vuvuzelas, and then finally, enough people complained about the atmospheres at the stadium, so they 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 said you can't have them anymore. It's enough. 
Okay, no racist speech. We, we all agree. We all appreciate that. We all agree. No homophobic speech or speech that might make anybody feel uncomfortable. How about that? But how about uh, political speech is fine? You can't tell people who pay good money or perhaps overly good money to see your mediocre games uh, how and what they can't say, how and what they can say. It's ridiculous. Who the hell's Don Garber to say that? Well, and, and this all started because at the beginning of the season, now there have been these MLS supporter groups have been involved in anti-fascist campaigns for many, many years. I mean, in fact, in 2015, I helped and worked with, with some of the Orlando supporters to get them involved in, in, in it. But um, what happened at the start of this season, Nick, was that um, there were some New York City FC supporters who were um, – who were involved in some neo uh, you know, white nationalist? I was going to say neo Nazi, but maybe that's the wrong. Oh, but aren't some of those the fine people on on on, the, on that side? Really? Donald Trump referred to as weren't they very but, fine people when, though? <laughs> when but when Jonathan Tannerwald, the Philly Inquirer, asked um, Garber about this at the opening game, and in, in, it was either in Philadelphia or in Washington, D.C., Garber kind of evaded the question, and they didn't sanction, they didn't sanction these guys from behaving the way they were, and, and getting involved in some white nationalist activity, because well, they said it wasn't happening at the game, so what's happening in the stadiums, they weren't going to sanction it. Yet, when uh, the Minnesota supporters bring in Che Guevara flags, or, or the Portland supporters have anti-fascism, anti-racist messages, the Seattle supporters do all that same stuff, too. Um, MLA, oh, and it started really with the Atlanta supporters who started yeah. the anti-fascist, anti-racist thing. They, they they had security come in and like eject those people from the stadium yeah. in Atlanta. That's what touched well, I remember, this whole thing. I remember going to an LA Galaxy games. Well, back when Kartik, where if you swore in the stadium, they would have security come and escort you from the stadium. Uh, and I can tell you that that same year that they did that, I was in London. Um, for with Fox doing a bunch of games, went up to Manchester. I remember sitting in the North Bank at Highbury uh, with a bunch of young ladies, all about no, nine or ten years old in front of me, standing on their chairs yelling the C word at the referee on the pitch. And, um, you know, you don't get thrown out there. But then, of course, uh, in uh, at uh, the Home Depot Center, you were ejected immediately. It's now something else. I don't know. It's not StubHub anymore, is it? It's now the... Uh, I don't know. the. Uh, is it something else? The Yoshinoya beef bowl now? I don't know. All right. We're going to go to break for street soccer. Nick and Kartik, we're just having a chinwag. Be right back after this. All right. Welcome back for Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you. We are just having a chat about all things football, politics, people, stupidity, ridiculous things. You know, the normal things that uh, we do when the Premier League is on break. Uh, but the most recent thing we were doing, Kartik, was uh, looking at Bond villains and assigning Bond, uh, shall we say, Premier League managers, Bond characters. And I think I have, quite frankly, Kartik, the best one of all. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. If I'm casting this, Roy Hodgson is M. <laughs> I kind of knew Roy Hodgson was going to fit into this because he, he seems like a bad character and he has the right accent. But is he M or is he the villain? No, he's not the villain because M, other than before Judy Dench took over as M, remember but M was this somewhat brilliant but sort of bumbling yeah. Boris Johnson type of figure, right? 
And and, and I think yeah. very much, uh, you know, Roy Hodgson could completely play M, where he wheels out the Aston Martin with the with the bulletproof plate and the spinning license plate and the machine guns and the oil slick. Complete. That's him. Kartik. No, no, that, that would be Q. That, he, oh, he come on, me, Q, Q not M. I'm sorry, Q. He could Q. be Desmond Llewellyn's character. Yeah, 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 In fact, yeah. he looks like Desmond Llewellyn. There you go. He's Q. No, I think yeah, M might be Brendan Rogers. Yeah, when Bond M comes in, he Brendan could say, Rogers. "I have, I have an envelope, James. <laughs> if your name's in the envelope, yeah. I'm taking your life." Brian of the M, actually, no. Brendan Rogers, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our show today because it's been one of those fun shows. We loved, we love doing this. In case you haven't figured it out, otherwise, God knows why would we be here every weeknight from uh, seven p.m. Pacific. Uh, uh, is it 7, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, Monday through Friday? Uh, bringing you the best of football here on the Sports Pilot Broadcast Network and Sirius XM uh, 211, Dan Patrick Sports. We're going to step aside. We're done for the night. Going to take have a pint, a bottle, whatever it is, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Cheers. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.